Years ago, I was on my way home from doing some prison ministry in Sugarland, Texas. We had a program there called One-on-One, and it was based on men on the outside who would commit to ministering to men on the inside of the prison. Both the men on the outside and on the inside made a commitment to meeting with their partner once a week for at least 43 weeks a year. We would begin with a larger group time of worship and then have about 45 minutes of one-on-one time with our prison buddy. John Wiesner, to whom this book is dedicated, later took over this ministry. It was a particularly muggy evening as I drove home from prison ministry. I often liked to drive with the windows down, and I was growing my hair longer in those days, so the wind would mess with it at times. I did, and still have, a receding hairline, and I would kiddingly remark that since I could not grow hair in the front, I would grow it in the back, so it was well over my collar. And I had worn older blue jeans and a t-shirt as I had gone straight from doing some yard work to prison ministry that evening, so my clothes were kind of dirty and not up to the usual standard that the prison preferred for the visiting men. There I was, driving with my hair in the wind. I decided to stop at a local Safeway store near our house to do some light shopping. I saw that there was working that evening a particular checkout lady named Judy. I had been witnessing to Judy over the past several months, so I was glad to see she was working, as I wanted to share more with her. So there I was, this six-foot, seven-inch tall guy with longer hair, tussled by the wind, wearing older and slightly dirty clothes. As I approached Judy with my items on the conveyor belt to be scanned, she greeted me with a big smile and asked, "'How are you this evening?' Out of my mouth came these words, "'Fine, for a guy who just got out of prison.' At this point, a number of people behind me made some groaning noises and small talk in reply to that comment of mine, but I soon clarified, sharing how we would go into the prison every Tuesday evening to minister to the inmates, and that seemed to put everyone at ease. Judy listened as she rang up my groceries, and then at one point I simply asked her if she would like to make a commitment to Jesus that night with a time of prayer. I was sincerely hoping she would say yes and felt like if she did, I could wait for her to get through with these customers and then find a quiet place in the store to have this prayer. But she surprised me by blurting out, yes, and let's do it right here and right now. Wow, that was a shock for sure. So I simply said, let's pray. And I'm not kidding here or exaggerating. All the people waiting in the line behind me bowed their heads in prayer too. I had a nice prayer with Judy right there in the checkout line at Safeway. It was very cool. That night, Judy was freed from the prison of sin and led to a personal encounter with Christ. As I continue with some more thoughts from the previous chapter on changing our perspective, let me bring in a verse from Psalm 102, 13. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. The time to favor her has come. Yes, the set time has come. Let me say up front that I am not into predestination at all, but rather I understand it with the eyes that see like God does, in that he sees things in the future, and in that foreknowledge, he then sometimes uses the word predestination. One such use of this word can be found in Ephesians 1, 7-13. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him.